Hello, hello, hello. So welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today was a pretty cool episode of the podcast. So I had the pleasure of chatting with online coach Evan Dady. So Evan is an online coach and I met Evan. I was actually on Evan's podcast recently enough talking about female health and how to train and your nutrition around your cycle and PCOS and perimenopause and menopause. So I really would recommend heading over to Evan's podcast. I'll put the link into the show notes. So just type in Evan daily into the kind of Spotify or iTunes, whatever kind of provider you listen to on your podcast. The big thing about kind of today's episode with Evan was it's quite quite an interesting kind of chat because Evan has kind of blown up over on on social media over the last little while and for someone so young and I don't want to sound patronizing but has got his head screwed on Evan has come from a very different background Evan was a jockey and he is open and honest about kind of his journey the mad habits that have been created the unhealthy kind of measures and methods he used and was encouraged to use to kind of make weight in order that side of thing so today's topic was really the focus of his journey his mindset how it's changed his relationship with himself the kind of like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and what realizing what's important to him but also we've spoken about how to break up with the scales and the tactics that he and i use with different clients and understanding the fluctuations understanding that it's not the be all and end all and a lot of people can get triggered by it so i really do hope this episode is going to help an awful lot of people so i really hope you guys enjoy the episode with evan daly evan how are we shane how are we getting on thanks very much for having me on appreciate it big time no worries well thank you so much for coming on we're not doing in the studio like on for your podcast sorry to not no, slide the own studio <laughs> the comfort of our own homes. You can't feed us sometimes in exactly. fairness. You can't feed us, no travel. <laughs> exactly. Cup of tea in front of you. Right. Evan, you had me on your podcast and I really do thank you for that because it was about kind of female health and female nutrition. And I think it was important to have that topic and it's it's great to kind of have those open chats. And I think for you, and we also spoke about mental health and that's something that mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about today on yours. For anyone who isn't aware of who you are, Evan, can you give us a little bit of a snippet of who who is Evan Daly? Yeah, so I suppose I'll give a brief introduction. So I suppose I am an online personal trainer. I'm the owner of Daily Fitness. And I suppose I'm 22 years of age and I started all of this, I suppose you're going back probably June last year. So I suppose a year and year and a couple of months in business now. So I suppose it was a fair journey to get there. I suppose like I was in, I went down a few different career paths over over the few months and um, not or over the few years not really knowing what I wanted to do and I even didn't know I suppose when I first started personal training is this what I wanted to do or when I first did my personal training course is it what is it what I wanted to do because I didn't really know if there was a career path because I knew nothing really about it as such but I suppose I went to an engineering in college and this is putting it fairly short now but I went to an engineering in college going back two years ago and I'd done a personal training course before that and before I did that or when I did that personal training course it was I I joined engineering probably about a year later hated engineering so then I kind of wanted like a part-time job throughout engineering and um I want a part-time job throughout engineering and I was like right I actually love fitness because I was always I suppose looking up things listening to podcasts around nutrition training etc and I I knew I loved it, so I said, right, I want to kind of work for myself, but I want to do something I, I enjoy doing while I was in engineering. And so I started, I opened up the gym in June 20, 2021. So as I said, last year, so 2021, with the intention of going back to college in September. And um, I actually ended up not going back to college in September because I just absolutely loved the, 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 the in-person one-to-one and I just loved the whole fitness side of things. So I absolutely fell in love with it, really, and everything just kind of took off from there. And I am now fully online, and that is where the the whole business is. And I suppose before all of before everything occurred, I was I was a jockey for three or four years, and I suppose four or five years realistically. And I suppose that's probably why I'm in the position I'm in now, because or in the in the job I'm in now because of things I suppose I struggle with weight management, etc. And um, yeah, that's probably why I'm actually on this podcast now i suppose <laughs> yeah and like when we were in the in this in primal with dan 
um, in the studio recording your podcast, we were kind of off the air talking about the world of jockeying and how much of an impact had on you. How much did it actually impact? Like, it's an amazing sport. I do not want to disregard the sport and people love it and rightly so. How much of an impact did it have on you and kind of share as much as you want or share as don't share nothing if yeah. you want? Mm, so basically right so racing was my life i suppose from when i was eight years of age i kind of went to, i just want to give that little kind of brief introduction so i suppose race was my life from when i was eight years of age and was everything that i wanted to do there was nothing else that i wanted to do i suppose and growing up from eight nine ten all the way up i suppose from the once i once i hit the age of i suppose 11 or 12 i was thinking about weight management because i started off pony racing and that's kind of the stage where every single jockey starts off. Like you, Rachel Blackmore, Paul Town and you, Ruby Walsh, Paul Carby, all of the big fellas all start off pony racing, which is basically like it's 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 proper, proper racing, but just in a random field, basically. Like a, kind of like a point to point, basically, but just young lads riding. So from once you're about 11 up to 16, you're that's where you're starting. But you still have to make weight for that. You can still ride overweight, but you're all, once you start, it's like an addiction where you're just thinking straight away, right, this is, I'm going to make it professionally, so now I have to, I have to watch my weight. So once you're hitting about seven stone, you're thinking, right, I have another stone and a half before I hit bottom weight of actually professional flat racing. So I would imagine like even a lot of 12 rows would be probably seven stone, like nearly, you know what I mean? So it's, that's when it's the flick switch. I was like, right, straight away, I was had to kind of start watching my weight. And it was, I was even like sweating, dehydrating myself from when I was 12, 13, 14, kind of 15. And that, I suppose, came from that I knew the professional lads did it. So I felt, oh, I'm a jockey now. I, I have to do it. This was before, as, as I said, that I obviously went, went went down the professional route. So all the ages up, I started, I was just getting heavier and heavier and heavier as I kind of went up to, I suppose, 16. So when I was 16, I got my amateur flat license, or, or my apprentice flat license, and I signed up with a fellow called Ger Lines. Who would be, I suppose, Jar would be in the top three trainers in Ireland, I suppose. Now he's he's absolutely flying. But I signed up with him and obviously a brilliant opportunity. And I remember when I was finished pony racing at the age of 16, I was sitting around nine stone. And by the time then I had my first ride as a flat jockey, like professionally, I as an apprentice, I was eight stone four. So I'd lost a, a fair amount of weight, I suppose, in the in 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 a few months in order to get going as a professional, I suppose, a, pro- a, pre- a professional flat, flat jockey is what I call it, I suppose. So from there, the age of 16, 17, early 18, I was riding on the flat, but I was just getting heavier all the years up. And it got to a point, I suppose, where I was sitting around waking up maybe nine stone four at the age of 16. And then I'd be riding at weights of even eight stone seven. So Basically, in very simple terms, like I could have been told that I have to do eight stone four the next day or let's say 24 hours later. And I might have been anywhere from nine two to nine four. So I'd have to take all of that weight off in water in 24 hours. You know what I mean? So you can imagine what that's done. Obviously, don't don't try that at home. But uh, you're just sucking everything out of your body like you you have no energy, like no one understands thirst like i'm thirsty now here doing this i actually forgot to get water but basically if i this is not thirst now even though it would be considered general population it'd be like they say oh geez i'm so thirsty but no one has any any idea what thirst is like unless you have taken off a good let's say six to twelve pounds sometimes you know what i mean so that obviously has its mental effects so i suppose i'll just give you the, the the rest of the story i suppose so as as i got heavier i said right i need to make the change to being a jump jockey so i made the change to being a jump jockey then because the weights go up okay so basically if you're a jump jockey the minimum riding weight is nine stone ten if you're a flat jockey the min- minimum riding weight is eight stone four now that doesn't mean that every flat jockey is eight stone four they still will get a lot lot of opportunities sitting around let's say nine stone right but as you're a jump jockey you want to be waking up anywhere from 10 stone to let's say 10 7 it will say okay but as you're starting off you need to be a little bit lighter in order to kind of get all the opportunities because you want to have every opportunity to ride at every single weight because the more weights you can ride at the more rides you get the more opportunities you get so 
I was always saying to my agent that, um, okay, anything that I'll, I'll do nine seven basically. So it was all good as I just made the initial change from being a flat jockey to a jump jockey because obviously I was still fairly light considering like far, I suppose, jumping. But then because of the lack of knowledge I had, I was just constantly gaining because of all the things I was doing. And I'll touch on all of them in a few minutes. But um, when I, I, I used to be waking up at, let's say, Kenstone 4, I remember one day I was riding a horse for JP McManus, who was actually my biggest, biggest winner I had. And I woke up that morning and I got a text at 10 o'clock saying, right, you're riding for Gold Seal in Killarney, handicap hurdle. Uh, it was 50 grand handicap handicap hurdle on the just 24 hours later he said it's nine stone seven so i was like right okay <laughs> so i was 10 stone four that morning and like i was the only one who knew that so i don't know what that is that was at 10 to 12 pound i think if i'm not if i'm if i'm correct but that's sweat the sweating started from there so 24 hours i took all that way to take off so i probably had six or seven taken off that day and then i woke up and i had another probably five to six to take off again so like obviously the more weight you lose the harder it is to get more water out of yourself because you're weak you're thirsty you can't have water in between all of this and um yeah that day involved just running hot baths saunas peter's on in the car driving two and a half hours i remember i hopped out of the car that day on the way down and um hopped out of the car on the way down and i uh went in to get a i, I needed to get like i mean a mouthful of lucas aid because like i i I was getting to the point where I was like, I, I, I was going to drop like I could feel. It was the worst ever. Like it was nearly a stone and water weight taken off. So like my hands were flaking and like my everything was my, I was just boiling up basically. So I hopped out of the car with my sweatsuit, jackets, hats, about three pairs of fucking waterproofs, tights, everything. I, I just loaded myself up with, with gear, obviously to sweat. So I hopped out and I, I nearly dropped. I wobbled after I hopped out of the car and I walked into the shop and like my legs were barely working. It was the worst I ever was. Got a little a mouthful of Lucas Aid and like you're just there, spit it back into the bottle again. Like, because I was at the stage where this is disgusting. Sorry about the vulgarness here, everyone. But <laughs> I was at the stage where uh, I couldn't even afford to put on like a point one or point two. So I arrived down at the race course and weighed myself hoping that I'd taken off kind of that last three pound in the journey down and I hopped on I had another like 0. 0.4 0. 0.5 to take off and like that's not much like 0. 0.4 pound is not much but when you're gone through all that it is torture so I hopped into the sauna to take off another little bit and like nothing was working like I was just boiling up with no water coming out as such I couldn't run this day so I kept getting like stitches and cramps because I was so sunk so managed to get through when I got through 0. 0.1 because I ended up I was nearly like spitting into a bottle like to, trying to get saliva up because like to get any little bit out of myself because there was nothing else that would come out even though there was no saliva really but got through rode the horse it won but like i nearly i i, I nearly died i nearly sorry the stole the stole sorry but uh yeah i nearly died that was the worst the worst day ever but i suppose the, the, the best day ever at the same time do you know what i mean because it, it was all worth it but yeah so from there um that was just one little experience but Throughout my years, or throughout, I suppose, any like big major weight cuts that I used to have, like, as I said, there was times where you would, there was times where you would lose all that weight, say, and you could have six pounds taken off before you go to bed, but like you might have another three to go the next morning. So, like, you're craving things so, so much. You're craving water more than anything, but you're also craving food because you're so hungry. So, what I used to do, like, and, and being honest, I, I genuinely couldn't control myself. I used to go downstairs and sometimes I drive to the shop and if there was if none of the lads were home, I do this like, but I used to like fill myself up with everything, like I mean like liters of water, like anything I could put to myself that I would physically be like a balloon, basically. Because I needed that satisfaction because I was like, I'm just gonna indulge all of this now, and then I would make myself sick. I know sorry about this, this is vulgar, but like that's that was the reality of it. So then I'd take it all up and like I'd be still I'd still have that six pound lost. But I would still have got that satisfaction out of filling myself up. I nearly wanted to make myself feel sick to, so I could go to bed in a way that I was like, I still had all of that food and that fluid, you know what I mean? However mad that sounds. But yeah, that, I suppose, make myself sick was, I suppose, a regular occurrence. I was afraid of carbohydrates. Um, Yeah, there's probably a lot there to unpack. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. And I appreciate you kind of sharing that because... 
I don't think you're the only one that has kind of had those kind of inner voices, inner demons kind of mm. having that purging effect. And I think it's important to put that caveat out that there are mental health providers out there for people uh, yeah, who are in that, in that, in that space and in that field because it's it's unfortunate it's kind of rampant. And I think it it's I think when you think of an eating disorder, which is what it was, mm. it's it it can be perceived as like a predominantly female kind of orientated kind yeah. of condition but it kind of like eating disorders went up like 70 percent amongst lads during the lockdowns mm. like the stats are, are are crazy like how much of an impact has that had on your on your relationship with food now now i know now i'm absolutely brilliant but i'll be honest with you like this was still happening even when i finished up to an extent because I could obviously see myself, I was getting a bit bigger in that, but I didn't mind getting that bit bigger. But then I used to, I used to have this thing, right, when I used to wake up in the morning, where I would nearly know to the point one of what weight I was nearly going to be. And I'd know that by feeling my stomach and feeling, let's say, a, feeling my oblique, if I felt any little bit of puffiness, puffiness at all, that could be the thing that would be baby point three heavier on the scale. I just knew myself, I was so obsessed. If I could count one extra rib, I was like, I'm light today. That's the way I was, and that's how obsessed I was. So then as I was transitioning from that into, let's say, normal eating, obviously the ribs were disappearing a little bit because obviously I was, I was allowing myself to eat a bit more. But there were some times where I used to feel fat myself. That's the, that was the thought process, feel fat, even though I, I wasn't like I, I was a normal body weight, like I was about 10 and a half stone. And I used to think to myself, oh, my God, like, what the fuck and i used to again sometimes fill myself up the odd time this wasn't i want to make this clear actually it wasn't like a every single day every single week it used yeah, to come yeah. in waves and it was still like that like a couple of months after racing the odd time it was gone way less frequent way less frequent but it was still slightly occurring because i i, I was struggling to deal with getting a bit heavier because i was always in jockey mode had to be fragile looking had to be nearly small looking fella you know what i mean um but now like like back then i used to I used to be still kind of afraid to have a big meal. I used to always be picking at bits here and there, picking at, this is the thing, right, that now makes so much sense to me. I used to be picking at nuts, picking at jellies, picking at little bits that weren't big quantities of food because, and so therefore they weren't giving me that big full bloated feeling. You know what I mean? So therefore I could feel like, oh, I'm still light because there isn't much things going into me. Even though the amount of calories that I was having from picking in that, was the reason that my scale weight was going up all of them years, I suppose. You know what I mean? Because I used to pick in excess. Um, do, does that make sense? Yeah, so, mate, I think I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. It's kind of like when I'm eating healthy and I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm still putting on weight will come into people's heads. It's kind of yeah. like, yeah, but you're kind of like, because, uh, and, and this kind of, and I've had this conversation this morning with clients, it's kind of, you think by having more regular meals throughout the day, that it's actually adding more calories than probably what your body needs. But if you mm. look back and reassess it kind of like as Evan was doing, was having say high calorie foods, like say nuts or fats or whatever it may be, or processed yeah, yeah. foods, they they add up quite quickly, really quickly, and they'll bring you over your calorie deficit or bring you to surplus. So yeah, it's interesting to hear that side of things because i think a lot of people kind of freak out it's kind of i'm eating more than ever i was like you're not eating more than ever mm, you're eating more consistently and probably nourishing yourself that a little bit more than just picking aimlessly without any structure that's so important because so many people are in that mindset and i only realize that as i start nearly working with more people because that's the common thing that i hear back is i'm now losing weight even though i'm eating more than ever and that's where you need to explain right this is how important, like, oftentimes people say you're, like, oversimplifying as saying that it is all about energy balance. The fact of the matter is, the fundamental is that, obviously, there's so many other things to take into account. But I wasn't really made fully aware aware of the fundamentals. Therefore, there was all this voice in my head and been like, no, there's, there's more to it than that. Like, yeah. you, you can't get away with having this big meal and not put on weight. You know, obviously, yes, you would put on weight maybe immediately on the scale, but that's just because it's still in your stomach, you know, whereas it's the energy adding up and up. If you're over consuming on energy, regardless of how small the food is or how small the meal looks, if that meal is calorie dense, let's say 
I suppose nuts, for example, if there's a excess of them, they are going to add up over time. And if there's a lot of picking going on throughout that day, it is very hard to control the amount of calories you're consuming. And that could be a thing that will lead you to put on body fat. And that was 100% obviously the reason why I was putting on weight all of them years, because I wasn't actually, I was never satisfied as such. I never got that full feeling. And if I did, I felt awful about it, you know, whereas if I actually satisfied myself in my kind of main meals, had nice, I suppose, high protein meals that were actually filling me, I wouldn't, I would have reduced the amount of calories I'd be consuming overall because I'd been, I'd been picking way less. I would have been going to, going for this little nibble here, this nibble here, picking at the dinner less while it was cooking. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's really, really important for people to understand that like the fact of the matter is that it, it, it does come down to energy balance, but it's, it, there's so many other things then to, 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 to play into a card you know i think what you said there about it can't be just this like you're kind of like because you tried so many things previously or a lot of people have tried a lot of things differently and they've never really worked for them long term it's kind of like this can't be the secret you're almost like second guessing it absolutely find it hard to believe it's kind of it simply can't be that it must be something else it must be insulin fairies come in and rob my calories off me or whatever it may be that some people you mentioned about kind of like you kind of alluded to, should I say, mm. elements of food guilt? Yeah. In relation to having certain foods. How mm. did you break that for yourself? Or did you break it yourself or did you get counseling? Yeah, no, I never got a thing. Like, I never got a thing for any of this, like, to be honest. So, like, that's why I'm not, I, I will never say that I had an eating disorder. I think I had disordered eating habits, but they yeah. were probably extreme, but they were to do with the sport. So, I think it is a little bit different in extent. I, I'm not sure. I've never really thought too deep. I would i would yeah. say it, i would say it probably was an eating disorder yeah because there was purging yeah that's true yeah so and there was disordered eating habits alongside it mm, that's that's probably very true it's just something i never even but most people thought. don't most people but, don't because it's a sport that's the mm. way that you say it yourself you kind of like well this is normal for my sports like that's the thing, no yeah. it's not normal yeah 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 that's the thing, and and uh, it's it's just something I've never. It's only more recently, to be honest, that I've talked about it more, to be honest, and like because I don't care now. Like obviously, because people, it's it's great. I'd imagine that people might like to hear this in as well, like because people might get benefit out of it. But um, in regards to your question there about food guilt, yeah. So like I don't know how fully I actually overcame the actual food guilt. I suppose probably the biggest thing was have a more of an understand have an actual understanding of the whole process like genuine people will say right they understand that it's calories in versus calories out they'll say that but as we said until you get to the point where you're like okay eliminate everything the reason that i am losing body fat i the reason that i'm gaining body fat is i obviously am over consuming over consuming on calories somewhere in my week somewhere in my day etc you know so I think when people just, it's about getting properly drilled into a person's head that, okay, the only way that you are losing body fat is if you are consuming less than you are expending. The only way that you are gaining body fat is if you are consuming more than you're expending. When I fully, fully understand that and it was properly drilled into my head and there was no other little voice coming into my head, that's when I was like, you know what? So why does it make sense that I'm eliminating the likes of carbohydrates? Why am I eliminating the likes of oh i don't even know what other foods just a random food basically like why am i eliminating these foods and when i had that understanding i was like it doesn't make sense that i'm eliminating these things and it was through education to be honest through do my own i suppose research and listening to smarter people than myself that's where when it kind of clicked you know because you have to ask yourself as well like if you're eliminating the likes of let's say carbohydrates etc and then you're just you're not losing weight your that's kind of feedback as to okay it's obviously not just carbohydrates you know does that make sense no it makes sense i think we i think we've all been there and i think a lot of people are still there it's kind of like the media have demonized certain foods from the 80s 60s 70s 80s 90s to for where we are at now and carbs gets the unfair rep but if you actually dissect it like is it really carbohydrates because if carbohydrates are bad that would make fruit and vegetables bad. People forget the fruit and veggies are, veg- are carbohydrates. But what people think of carbohydrates is the more processed food, like say pastries or cakes or sugar. They're the foods that the people associate with putting on weight. It's like, yes, 
but it's the quantity of those foods that you're probably having. Mm-hmm. Like I've never heard anyone getting overweight from too many fruit or vegetables. That's the thing. That's the thing. And it's even some people now, Shane, like are even afraid of fruit, like even with the oh, with smoothies. The smoothies. This is the thing that I can't, this is the thing that's mad, right? So like people are genuinely concerned as to, right, is it worse to have a smoothie or have solid fruit? Like that's all come from the likes of your, your slimming clubs, etc. But like if you just think deep about this question in your heads, it's all going into you. But yes, right. It, you could obviously put more stuff into a smoothie and like get that down you rather than eating, I suppose. It'd be probably easier to, to drink the liquid, obviously, than have five apples. You know what I mean? If you blended them up, probably be easier to get into it. But again, it's the quantity of it. Like that does not mean that you avoid the smoothie because it's blended up. It's just knowing how much quantity of everything that you're having. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get everyone. If, if you're, if you're struggling to get vegetables and fruit into you, smoothies are an amazing oh, tool. Class. Smoothies are an amazing tool. You can add in protein powder or you can add in Greek yogurt. So you're starting the day off by getting protein into your body straight away. And then as a byproduct, you're going to feel fuller, going to have more energy. You're getting more minerals into your body. Would I use it as a meal replacement? Probably not. But it can be a useful tool if you are on the go or you're on a school run or you're on a commute. They are really, really handy. And I'd probably make it at home. Like you don't know what's going into them when you're buying them, but it doesn't make it negative or positive. But they are useful. Um, That's the thing. They're, they absolutely are. And like one thing, this the, the argument that people do try to make when you say that it's the same thing is that no, it's not because it's easier, it's easier to drink the liquid. But like, yes, that's that's completely fine. Like, but it's it's that does not mean that the smoothie is bad, like you know what I mean, or that the smoothie alone is the thing that's making a person gain body fat. It's just yeah, like when I often say or put up a video about like a mashed banana in Slim World having a sin, I'll always be like, uh, someone will always come back to me and be like, right, no, it's because it's so much easier to overconsume on a mashed banana compared to our or, or blending up a mashed banana and putting it in a smoothie than it is to have like four solid bananas. But I'm like, no, because but like, <laughs> what is the banana not being mushed in your mouth as you're eating it? Hey, that's this is what I do all right to explain to person. And like, it's only when they come out of it that they're like, oh, fair. But like, why why are they sinning? Why are they putting a sin on that food instead of just telling them the amount of energy in that food? And that then the person will be like, okay, maybe I won't. Like any person would then be like, right, I won't put in four bananas into my thing into my smoothie. Do you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of putting like, sin on it and labeling it. Sin isn't even spelt correctly. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, I wouldn't worry about sugar and fruit. I would probably look not. at the other behaviors and patterns that you've seen of like, are you potentially eating more in the evenings? And look, are you eating when you're stressed? Looking at those little things would probably be more beneficial to aiding your journey rather than blaming certain foods the food is generally not the issue for people it's the it's the projection of how they feel about themselves is the issue mm-hmm. like if you're if you don't feel great or have low self-esteem or low self-worth and you don't feel great about yourself and you've used food as a comfort you've created this culture of food comforts me everyone uses food as comfort mm-hmm. i'm not immune to it everyone's not immune to it no one's immune to it. but the difference between you and i is or whoever's listening to this is we don't shame ourselves into it after and continue to eat afterwards. There's times I overeat. I over I had a, I had a takeaway on Sunday, but Absolutely. I don't beat myself up for it. I enjoyed it, watched a movie and watched a match and I enjoyed myself. But what do I do the next day? I reset, go back to what my normal breakfast was and move on. I don't shame myself and slash all my tires. And it's that all or nothing mindset that drives people haywire. And it's kind of like, look at that first rather than trying to diet yourself out of that. And people aren't going to like that answer. And that's the truth about it, though, you see. and But again, that comes down to having an overall understanding of the whole thing as well, Shane. Like, doesn't it? Because people genuinely think, like, if they do have, if they do, if they do have a day where they do overeat, they do have a day where they have a takeaway, etc., they genuinely think that they've they've lost all their progress. And that's kind of in their head, like, you know what I mean? And they think, oh, I've done it now, so I might as well just stay doing it. But the de- you, need to, you, you need to look at what that definition of progress is. 
Say that again. You need to look at what the definition mm. of progress is. So if you're only going by the scales, of course, it's going course. to be, you're going to judge it as if it goes up as, as not a great thing. But, but that's, and, that's where the education hasn't been provided. And that's the thing, right? And you see, what I'm noticing working with more and more people is that they have all their progress put into that scale. But then, yes, absolutely, not everyone should weigh themselves. Sometimes people just can't get rid of the emotional attachment. But I would be a person who would say, right, instead of just like just completely removing that scale, why not don't we just educate a person on what the scale is taking into account? And therefore, then it's an awful lot better way of uh, for, for them to understand, be like, right, just because the scale is three pound heavier, that does not mean I've gained three pound of body fat. It is simply extra glycogen, water. Like there's so many different things to take into account. The scale is not just body fat. Like, do you know what I mean? And um, like, Realistically, Shane, I'd imagine you're the same uh, as myself. Like you would have no issue hopping on the scale, like, and you wouldn't. It wouldn't bother you what number pops up on the scale. That's simply down to education. You know what I mean? So I don't see why we 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 should be treating other people different, and it should be trying to provide that education. But then, if a person understands all of that education, let's say about the scale, etc., but they still have that little bit of attachment to it, well, then removing the scale is probably going to be the best option. Would you agree with that then? Um, I've trained my, I've changed my mind on this quite a considerable mm. amount. I think for a long-term solution, removing the scales is probably not completely is not probably the answer because mm-hmm. you're running away from the main issue, which is how the person perceives themselves. That people, people have been shamed into if you go up, you're tut tut. If you're down, mm. and you're in a slimming club. Yeah. So it's a, it's kind of like how do you see yourself if the scale goes up and how do you see yourself if the scale goes down? Yeah. And you'll talk to people on a daily basis and you're like, well, I'm a better person if it goes down and I'm not a great person if it goes up. It's like, no, no, that's not what that number is saying. It's kind of like saying that because your bank balance is a certain amount, that that, that kind of like, how am I trying to say this? It's kind of like using your bank balance to tell you how good you are at sex. Mm. It's not the, what the metric is. The metric on what a piece of plastic is, and that's all that it is. It's a number on a piece of on a piece of plastic. That's all that it is. It's not that you're a good or a bad person. That's your attachment to how you perceive yourself. It's because it's been taught to you over time. Mm-hmm. For a short-term solution, can it be useful for some people? Yes. To educate people, it could be step on a daily to see the fluctuations. Write out how you see yourself on it beforehand. Write yourself to see it on after. There's the other option of stepping on every couple of days mm. or there's the option of running away, of kind of staying away from it. There's various different options I've seen work with clients. But if you if it, as a long-term solution, generally it's a self-worth or self-esteem internal, mm. uh, internal language that needs yeah. working. And that's been either through trauma that's either through bullying that or words that were said to you of like oh you're a chubby child or you were bullied for being a certain weight or you were in certain cinema clubs and you were told you're a bad person it's like were you a bad person i would say you were silly for giving your money to the clubs but mm. that doesn't make you a bad person it's just that your education hasn't been provided and i always talk about with my clients of like if you're not having fluctuations you're not human Oh, absolutely. And you see, this is the whole point of bringing that awareness around, right? Going back to the education part, like, right, why have you this emotional attachment with this magical number? And that reverts back to their beliefs from the likes of certain clubs, etc. You know what I mean? And I would be, I, I'd always try and like just explain to a person, okay, I'd get into the deep root of it and be like, right, why? Just ask them, why is this magical number affecting you? Why have you this emotional attachment to it? And oftentimes when a person just gathers more understanding of the scale and understanding of fluctuations, like they're they're a far, far happier person and they can use that scale as maybe a, maybe a little tool for themselves, you know what I mean? Um, and, and not get bothered if, let's say, if, if there is fluctuations because they now understand that, yes, this is completely normal, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, and I think it, it, is, it is normal. I, and I don't think, I don't think, that, I don't believe there's anyone on this, that is out there it's kind of like when they see the scales goes up they don't get a little little bit of oh. a, a little bit of a kind of like 
why is this gone up? They, like you're not, we're not immune to that. But then you kind of like use the rational voice in your head. You're kind of saying, there you go. "This is what it could be. This is what it could be." Or, right, I've done everything I could today. I've done every everything I could this week. I've done everything I could this month. I just may need to change my tack. That's there straight away. You're yeah, exactly. And you're using it as the tool then as well. Like you know, that's using it as a tool because then if without that education, a person can't go back to their they can't use a rationale you know what i mean because the only rationale that a person it's has just emotion anyone, it's just driven yeah by it's emotion. just emotion yeah that's exactly it Do you know and it's so important it's so important because it ruins people's progress it genuinely ruins people's progress and it's more and more i'm seeing it like because of people having more of an understanding i am seeing now that people get to let's say week five week six and they see maybe a stall out in the scale due to, oh, it might be 101 different reasons. It might be menstrual cycle. It might be, it might be so so many different things that, that are taken into account, right? So when a person then stalls out, usually they're like, oh, progress is lost. Progress is lost. But because now when I see people have more of an understanding, they're like, progress is not lost. This is part of the process. We just keep doing exactly what we're doing and use this feedback and then make any changes if needed. Then uh, let's say in a few weeks' time, you know, they're just, their understanding is far better and they're just not having this attachment to it you know i think it's important to bring in non-scale victories with clients of like how are you feeling in your clothes are you getting stronger have you got a better relationship with food have you are your measurements going down are your progress pictures changing Mm -hmm. use those three or four different metrics along with the scales or minus the scales completely up to you but people are like, well, I don't want to really want to take a photo. I'm like, fine. Don't, well, we won't take a photo if you don't want to. There's no pressure on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take a photo, generally I've seen when clients are kind of a little bit hesitant to take the photo and you're kind of like, don't need to share it with me. You keep it to yourself if you want. Yeah. When they take the photo, they're kind of like, wow, I can actually see massive. The scales may not have gone down that much as I've wanted, but it's kind of like, mm-hmm. well, that's what you've dictated as a metric. There you go that's what you've detailed as happiness or as progress. Like, well, hang on, your measurements are feeling down. You've dropped a dress size. Your clothes are feeling better. You're getting PBs in the gym. You're lifting 100 kg squats. You're, you've had more energy to play with your kids. Your cholesterol is down and you have a better relationship with food. Am I missing something? And they're like, well, the scales haven't gone down as much. As much as what? As I would have liked. Where has that number come from? I picked it out of the sky. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say something else, but I wasn't. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's kind of like you need to understand, like you can't predict what that scale is going to say. Was well, so it hasn't gone down as much as I wanted this week? And you, I think you put up a post of something like recently, like the scale has only gone down one pound this week. Mm. How do you reframe that with with clients, or how do you reframe that even with yourself? So the thing about it is, people have a false perception of what actual progress is. Like it's in their head, as you just said there. So. People have this idea that, oh, I have to lose two pound, three pound this week. And I'm like, right, okay, in order for us to do that, let's make your life miserable. So, because that's what's going to have to, obviously, don't, that's obviously not what I do, everyone, like, obviously. But that's what, literally, that's what has to be done if you do want to go drastic, you know what I mean? And if you do want to to make really rapid, rapid progress, but it, you won't make rapid progress because the person will hit a wall. So what I always say to a person is, if they ever say, right, I've only lost a pound this week, why have I only lost a pound or what I want to lose more than a pound? I'm like, okay, if we are to lose more than a pound, your calories are going to have to drop more. You're going to have to do more cardio. You're going to have to do more steps and you're not going to get, make any progress in the long run. And I would be like, right, instead of us being like having a big race on to make really rapid progress, what is wrong with us losing a lovely pound a week, having energy, hitting PBs, as you said, they're playing with your kids and not feeling miserable and not feeling starving all of the time. What is the what is wrong with that? Instead of us going really low with calories, being hungry, lacking in energy, and then making no progress at all because you're going to hit a wall and end up overeating and just giving up everything. Whereas what I always try to say to a person is the habits that we build throughout fat loss here are the things that's going to help us maintain fat loss long term. So if we oftentimes for general population people, if we take a drastic approach, go on very, very low calories and do loads and loads of activity, you're going to sicken yourself and you're not going to build any habits at all that are going to be able to sustain long term because it's just not possible. Because let's say you have a stressful job, you have kids, you have more things in your life. So we want to try and make the process as easy as possible. Therefore, progress sitting around a pound a week 
is more for most people is nice sustainable progress you know what i mean and often times when you ask a person that would you rather lose would you rather lose two three pound a week now over these next few weeks but then put it all back on again or would you rather lose a pound a week for the next 12 to 20 weeks whatever whatever it is and actually enjoy your life throughout the process not feeling restricted from your favorite foods not feeling restricted from so some social events and they're like yeah absolutely i'd much prefer that approach and then usually that kind of ends the conversation like you know what i mean it, 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 it makes them kind of challenge right do you, do you want this to be probably the last time because and this is going to sound i think this is going to sound harsh and i think this is probably going to be called a little bit of controversy weight loss is easy but i would say keeping it off is a difficult part all i said because if you look everyone is whoever i've worked with has lost weight previously before it's often the probably the not ideal way they've done it but they've all lost weight but they put it back on so it's kind of looking at it from a point of view of well if we can maintain your results a little bit better you've improved your relationship with food you know how your body works you know how to manage your your cravings or your annual cycle the weight's going to fluctuate that's a better tool i've got a question i asked i had simon hill on the podcast i asked him what's his definition of healthy eating and i asked a couple of clients this during the week and it was interesting to see everyone has a different definition what's your definition of healthy eating that's a good question that's a good that's actually a really really good question because it's actually something I asked first the other day as well, actually. That, that's a funny one because I don't think, I, I, I always get a question where someone will say in let be the Q&A and be like, right, how do I eat healthy? And then I would think, I'd actually be like, I actually cannot just answer this question in a really like short thing because healthy eating for everyone is, is different in my opinion. Healthy, I'll put it this way, healthy eating in my opinion is enjoying your, enjoying your diet, number one, because if you don't enjoy it, you won't be consistent, okay? Then from there, I'd be like, high protein diet getting a couple of servings of fruit and veg every single day and just being active that would be i wouldn't be over i wouldn't over complicate things with that but you have to enjoy your diet number one but then there has to be a few fundamentals and the fundamentals for me are getting adequate protein in your diet and getting adequate fiber and that'll be from let's say the likes of your fruit and veg but then making sure you're incorporating your favorite foods as well yeah i like that what have you heard yeah, what, like, would you, what, what would your definition be actually <laughs> Simon went with healthy eating is a diet that does not impact your relationship with food mm, oh yeah that, sorry that was the definition yeah yeah get you yeah um, so that was his kind of like taking of it I would say healthy eating is where it allows you to have freedom around the foods that you enjoy um, and not restricting the, the other foods i would say that's probably where it is and it's probably in between where you and simon have mm. sit if you know what i mean mm. um but i remember having conversations with clients since i had that conversation with and they're kind of like you if you ask many people what the definition of a diet is it's kind of like misery hungry um mm. restrictive and you kind of it's kind of like has have they worked has that approach worked it's like well, that's what i've been taught like no, no 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 you have not been taught you've been dictated to you keep going for these quick fixes and as a byproduct you're making your journey longer so if we stop going for the quick fixes like i'm all for if someone wants to do a six or eight week cut for a holiday and they yeah. know after the holiday they're going to put on weight go for it work away but what i'm talking to right now is the person who's potentially been trying to diet for 10 15 30 40 50 years and that yo-yo dieting person of like going down and up and down and up what yeah at some stage you need to figure out what is actually enough for you when are you going to be happy it's like well i'll be happy when i'm like a down stone it's like okay we'll get you to a stone weight loss then they get there it's like i want more mm -hmm. it's like that's not enough for you it's like what is enough what where would if you were to look at where would you want to be in like 12 months figure out where you want to be and why you want to go there most people aren't clear on where they want to go or why they want to go there mm -hmm. they're like well the scales are going to tell me and that's why i'm going to be happy when the scales goes down like that's not the case it's not going to happen but why do you want to lose weight losing weight's not a big enough goal as i said losing weight's easy why do you I, want, why do you want to lose weight mm, most people don't can't ask that question literally and that is why i always say you have to have a reason why 
you want to lose in the first place because you will not actually probably end up losing it because whenever a week gets challenging, you have no kind of drive only that, oh, I want to lose weight, but you have no, like, you have to ask yourself, like, what is the reason that you want to lose it in the first place? You know what I mean? I often think, like, a person succeeding in fat loss is all as a person who has the kind of, like, uh, the little mindset switch to actually, like, want to make a change in order to actually improve their overall health, improve their overall lifestyle, improve their overall day-to-day life, you know what I mean? Be it more mobility, more movement, more energy levels, you know what I mean? If a person doesn't refer refer back to them things at the very start and it's just, I want to lose weight or I want to get a six-pack, they struggle to succeed because they haven't thought deep why they want to do it actually in the first place because it's not because you want to see a number. Yes, the number might be a byproduct of everything else, but like it's, it's only a it's only a tool to track progress kind of more so than anything. You know, it's not, it's that, it's not that number that you want to get to. You want to get to that feeling of being able to do day-to-day tasks, feeling confident about yourself, being able to like wear clothes you always wanted to wear. You know, that's kind of why people want to, want to actually deep down lose weight. And everyone has their own actual reason, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's important to, to kind of be digging down into that because like people say well i want to feel better it's like why do you want to feel better because i want to fit into clothes why do you want to fit into clothes so i have confidence why do you want confidence because i want to get into a dress that made me feel amazing why do you want to get into that dress because it reminds me of a time when i started dating my partner it kind of brings you back to that that emotional attachment absolutely and and if you have an emotion and more often than not if when i start to dig it into clients there's a little bit of hesitancy on that welcome call that i have Mm -hmm. with clients that figuring out your why it's kind of what well, I want to feel better and they keep repeating what well, I want to feel better but if you want to feel better why hasn't it happened yet mm-hmm. we've got to a point with it is there something else going on is there something deep-rooted are we expecting validation from other people a lot of people when we lose weight I've been there when you've lost weight you end up getting comments about oh you look great you look great in your clothes all this kind of stuff but that subsides. So when people are saying, well, you get to say a stone weight loss, you get loads of comments. And then the comments kind of dull down because that's the new norm. So in your head, psychologically, that voice ramps up like, I need to lose more in order to give in to validation of society and what they want. It's like, well, no, hang on. Society isn't dictating what you want. Society can't tell you what they want. So everyone has a different opinion. So what actually do you want? Because if someone said you look amazing right now, are you necessarily going to believe them? And mm-hmm. more often than not, if your self-worth or your self-esteem is lower than it could be or needs to be, you will believe them. You won't believe them. So it's not validation from others you're looking for. The root cause is yourself. That those self-worth, self-esteem thing is coming from someone else has met you've created a story that has been said to you. You've created a story of when you were potentially bullied of it that you're not good enough. Or that someone said a comment to you when you were, say, six or seven years of age that you look, you've got chunky ties or something. Mm-hmm. And you've associated that story with, I'm not good enough. You just said to yourself, no, I'm not good enough. Because you haven't been able to challenge that narrative. You haven't been able to challenge that story. You haven't got the toolkit. So I would always say to clients, is right, are we going to diet ourselves out of a shit mindset or are we going to work on our mindset first? Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of like, well, more often than not, it's kind of like, well, we're gonna, we have to work on the mindset. And we need to like, well, what do we need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to get you to where you want to go? We become more process orientated rather than just completely dictated by the scales. Don't get me wrong. You'll get impatient. It's normal to be impatient. But it's realizing that the scales is a metric. It isn't the only metric we look Mm -hmm. at. Is your libido better? Have you got more confidence? Or is your cholesterol down? Have you managed your PCOS? Are you managing your perimenopause symptoms? Loads of different things. Are you feeling better in yourself? Like, I, yeah, just I went on a rant. No, no, it makes so much sense, though, because like that's really important for people to understand is because if your only metric of success is the scale, you're going to keep wanting more and more and more because that is your only metric of success. And that's the so then whenever that scale stops, you're like, oh, I'm not succeeding anymore. You know what I mean? Whereas you need to stop yourself and be like, right. Where where have I come? Where have I come from? Am I more confident in myself? Have I more energy, etc.? All of the things we already said, you know, because it's just going to be a vicious cycle of just wanting to lose more and more and more. And just to kind of use a personal experience of it or a personal touch to it there, because sometimes that can help people. Is that right? At the moment, 
for me, for example, like I am dropping body fat at the moment. I was going to say it to you, yeah. Yeah, I am dropping body fat at the moment. And my decision in to, to go look, drop that body fat wasn't really down to anyone else as such. It was simply down to because I've been to full summer in America. I enjoyed myself. I had the crack. And then I just saw, right, that I knew I wasn't fully fully happy myself in regards. I wasn't comfortable in myself more than that. Yeah, I just wasn't, I wasn't comfortable in myself. I wasn't 100% comfortable in clothes that I should be comfortable in. I wasn't just, I wasn't just 100% happy in myself. So I was like, yeah, this is fair enough. I'm not at the body composition that I'm, that I'm comfortable and kind of confident at. So I'm going to take off. I know myself from experience. I know that if from where I was to where I want to get to, it's probably you're talking maybe four to five kg. And I know that, but that's still only a guide. I uh, that's just because I know my body so well. But I will know that I, I if if let's say I got to a point in three weeks time where I'm like, sure, now I'm I'm happy where I'm at now. But if I was only two kg lighter, I would have been like, grand fat loss done because I'm happy in my clothes. My clothes are fit me better, you know. Like I am an awful lot happier in my body now and just in my overall self now in every walk of life than I was going back six weeks ago because I'm just feeling I'm just feeling better myself I'm feeling more energized and and that's simply just down to just 3kg taken off me you know and that's just because it's comfortable for me you know what I mean um and that's it, it wasn't any scale number I'm wanting to get to it's none of that it's simply because I just wanted to feel kind of better on a day-to-day basis and, and just feel that little bit healthier you know and that and I, and I already am like I'd be happy out to just finish it now nearly like because I just I, I'm not absolutely ripped by any means at all um but it's just that I'm just I'm confident in myself nearly now you know you were on a stag over the weekend and I, yeah. I was I was watching I was watching the stories because I knew you were coming on this I was kind of seeing what you were up to for like in prep for this and you kind of there was a there was a fluctuation of, of course of the weight and that's normal as we've spoken about already we're aware of what that is how did you break that down in your psyche of saying, right, this is going to be up. What do I need to do? Or what was the psyche for yourself? Mm. So I went on a stag and I was drinking from half 10 in the morning to two o'clock that night, basically, as you do. So I woke up the next day and I, I wasn't obviously, wasn't obviously good. Like, you know, and that was the reality of it. So I actually didn't really do much at all on the Sunday. And that was fine. I accepted that. Like, that was just reality. It was a hangover. I'm human. Like, you know, I think people think, person's a personal trainer and they're getting up at five and going on a run after a full day of, of a stag, you know, that is hard for, for a person to do. But what I did, I just, I got up on the Sunday and I struggled on the Sunday and that's the reality of it. So I woke up Monday and I just popped on the scale because I just wanted to show people that obviously it was going to be up. But you see, the reason that I, I knew when I was going out on Saturday, I was like, okay, I just want everyone to see that Monday here, you're going to, I'm going to see a night and jump up. It could be one, it could be, 2kg of a jump on Monday and I didn't even I wouldn't even think of that now I'd be like okay that is reality of it because I'm having a lot of alcohol I'm going to have an awful lot of carbohydrates my I'm going to my hydration levels are going to be absolutely all over the shop I'm going to be retaining a lot of water weight so therefore it only makes sense that the scale is going to be up Monday Tuesday even Wednesday but it will sort itself out once I literally get back to my normal eating habits whereas what a person might do is they will wake up on the Monday morning, hop on the scale and think, oh my God, everything is ruined. I'm nearly up at about a kg less than, only about a kg less than I, than I started about six weeks ago. And then they'll end up going restricting, slashing calories really low, doing crazy amounts of exercise and end up probably hitting a wall link from the weekend again. And you see that person fails to understand that that is simply a fluctuation, a short-term fluctuation of the scale. So where I was, I just said to myself, getting back to my normal eating habits, that water tension will come off me over the course of the days. I'll get back to my walks. Didn't you? I actually haven't even exercised yet because my tonsils are all swollen. So like my weight is just automatically coming down there now, not a bother again. You know, I was watching something like, oh, I was like a, a kg lighter two days than, than it was, let's say two days ago, you know? So it's, it's already sorting itself out again. But I had that understanding of knowledge of what was into that scale. It is not just back in you know and your progress is not ruined but your progress will be ruined is if you go slashing calories really low or else if you just completely uh, uh, people go two ways either slash calories really low and end up hitting a wall in five or six days time 
or else the person will say to themselves, you know what, we might as well stay going for the whole week and stay overeating. And you have to ask yourself, right, is that actually achieving anything? Absolutely nothing. Whereas you need to understand that once you get back to your normal routine after, let's say, a night or two of maybe socializing or whatever, once you get back to your normal routine, it will just sort itself out. The water will come off, and you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 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 having that awareness, and I think what you said is is it, it would it would have been very easy for you to have pressed the fuck a button in mm. order to kind of like continue Absolutely. with that 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 negative spiral that could have happened. And a lot of people would do that right to see the scale goes up. Well, I've undone all my progress. Will come in. That voice maybe came in or maybe didn't come in. It's like, mm-hmm. did you undo your progress, or are we just carrying a little bit more water from the alcohol, a little bit more food that we had potentially over the weekend? I'm not gonna re- un- try to undo things. I'm just gonna look at what I can aim for a weekly calorie average mm-hmm. and potentially reduce my calories for a couple of days by two or three hundred. Yeah, I still have to eat, so there's still no, there's no point in going back to poverty calories. Because that has never worked for you. So it's, for a lot of people, it's having that education being provided to them. Aiming for a weekly calorie average is probably where most people need to be. It's understanding that one night out cannot derail anyone. Two nights out cannot derail anyone. Three nights out cannot derail anyone. It's oh, you have gosh. a choice now of how you react. It's like, well, I'm just going to press the button. I'm going to press the reset button. That reset button is is the is the biggest key win the next meal and that win the next meal doesn't mean be salad susan sucking on a piece of lettuce in the cafeteria that's not what i win the next meal is let's go back to what you had been doing because we all have these weekends where we potentially have a little bit more food i do it that's where my variety comes in i'm like a robot monday to friday afternoon and then my variety comes in and yeah. my way to reset on a monday is push out my breakfast by an hour or so and just have do a, some sort of form of like intermittent fasting, some mm. sort of form. Like I'm generally don't really pick in the evenings. I just not arsed. Um, mm. But I nourish myself the next day. I don't punish myself. Exactly. Because it's going to create a cycle, won't it? Like, and all I did literally was on the Monday, I got up and I actually had, I actually, I actually didn't, to be totally honest with you, like I actually didn't bring even calories down that much because I was like, this is all going to sort itself out yeah, in yeah. a few days anyway. You know what I mean? So, like, I, for example, like, I had people would think straight away looking at these, if I actually took a picture of the meals, they're like, oh, my God, how is he not, like, kind of sorting himself out fast? Like, I had two slim bagels, three eggs, two turkey rashers. I had a wrap and a chicken fitter for lunch. I had spaghetti bolognese in the evening for dinner. And my weight was still, the water weight came, still came off me, let's say, the, the following day. You know what I mean? Because I just simply got back to normal eating habits. It's not drastically dropping anything because that is only just making it all worse long term because people don't think long term Shane like don't deny it's it's tomorrow the next day that's where people are thinking but they're not thinking of what their actions are doing short term they're not thinking about them actually short term actions are doing for themselves long term you know I'll ask you this question would you rather me give you a million quid now or would you rather give me me give you 10 cent compounded by itself over 30 days oh a million quid now like yeah of course okay so that's this, exactly this it. is exactly what the quick fix is exactly if I gave you the, the, the million quid now, or if you would wait for 30 days, if you wait for 30 days, you'd have 6.7 million euro. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And in 30 days, you would have a million quid. Or if I gave it to you now, everyone wants the now. But if you would compound over a fact and say, right, there's going to be days where you're not potentially wanting to do things, focusing on what you can do today, that will help you tomorrow. And look, stop looking for that quick fix. And the compound effect is a great book if someone's looking for it. And money is the only thing I can relate to what uh, most people relate to because it's the thing that we all have and we use on a daily basis so compound effect if you want to google us you'll understand that what i'm talking about evan i could chat all day and i know i haven't answered asked any of the questions i have written down uh, stop. <laughs> I, I literally ticked off too um so <laughs> yeah exactly where can people find out about the podcast where can people find you on social media and where can people work with you yeah, so the uh, Evan Daily underscore Daily Fitness on Instagram and TikTok. Then I suppose the place where people work with me is my group coach in the Daily Fitness community. And then I have the Daily Fitness podcast in as well. So they are, I suppose, the, the three things. Amazing. Evan, thank you so much for coming on. Shane, appreciate it. Thanks very much. I really do hope that you found that episode with Evan useful. And if you have, 
please feel free to kind of share it up on your stories and tag myself and Evan in it. I know there was a little bit of information in there that could have been triggering for someone uh, with an eating disorder. So please do make sure that you are being looked after and you're, you're getting the help and support that you deserve. And it's it's important that you do. If anyone is interested in working with myself on the last intake of the Female Fat Loss Program for 2022, it starts on the 14th. So it starts in one week away from when you are listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. I will close applications on Thursday because I have to get everyone's program over to them on Friday. So everyone is set for the weekend and you'll it's it's a six week program, tailored program, tailored nutrition you'll get your goal once you kind of apply it it will remove you away from perfection it will get you to your goal if you kind of listen to kind of like the suggestions that are are in place in it it's no restriction nothing's off limits and it's learning how to kind of eat chocolate daily have carbs daily and get to your goal so if you're interested in that the price is a six-week program price is one six nine and it's the last program for 2022 and it'll take you right up to the week before christmas so hope you really have enjoyed this episode with evan and thank you again for evan to for coming on